Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 122. And if you're following along with us on the Twitter, on the Facebook group, and of course on the YouTube, you will see the entire gang is back, the four horsemen of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Josh Burton, and joining me is Peyton, Phil, and Corey. Fellas, what a week it is. I'll tell you what, I'm tired. I'm going to be real and keep it real with y'all. I just woke up not too long ago. I was up to like 5 in the morning doing some shit, hanging out with some friends. One of my best friends came back from college. Um, so me and him was hanging out last night, getting some Waffle House. And uh, I went to bed late, woke up late. Well, I woke up very early, I should say. So I need to find my energy. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad the two cocksuckers are back. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah, it's, it feels like it's been a while since... Uh... Since we've recorded one or since I've been here for one. Um, and well, you know, when I first started, I, I think I was here for like, I don't know, like 20 straight or something like that. So it felt weird not being here for a couple, but happy to be back. Yeah. can Josh, can I just say something real quick before Corey chimes in? It is really ironic that these two motherfuckers came back as soon as their teams got big wins this week. I know. We're going to talk a lot about them before we introduce Corey against the he's on the road again. Can't wait to be on the road again. Um, guys, I'd be remiss. You guys know our, our partnership with House Enterprises. It'd be remiss of me not to mention that every or episode 122 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in part with the House of College Hoops. Head on over to our site, house-enterprise.com for more info. We have a great collection of writers covering the sport from top to bottom. Phil's one. I'm an occasional writer over there. Phil's got a lot of information. He's been at the Duke games the last couple games. We have a great team over there. Again, it's house-enterprise.com for everything college basketball and all of our uh, teammates and all the great work over there. Again, this uh, podcast is brought to you in part by House Enterprises and the House of College Hoops folks. Corey, it's been months since we've seen your ass. I know. it's uh, It's been rough being on the road and a lot of Sundays working and stuff, and it was perfect plan or perfect time that – I'm on the road again, like you said, and, uh, you know, I get to make a, a guest appearance, it seems like. Unfortunately, I haven't been around as much as I want, but it's always good to see you and Phil and, unfortunately, uh, Peyton. But, you know, the, uh, the, only, the only thing that's, you know, Peyton's still the same on is he still doesn't know how to finish, just like Louisville. So, you know. Oh, we're going to uh, get into that. <laughs> we're going to get know, into that. He's always one point or one inch short, so, you know. Oh, Oh man, we it are is, in uh, season. We are in <laughs> mid-season form already. Yeah, hey, you know, I've been saving all these up for many, many episodes, listening to him ramble on and and the you know the jabs and the you know the group about Indiana and, and finally you know they're putting a season together and you know Louisville is is not so. I mean, they're doing what they're but, supposed no, I'm to. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to get going. And they're doing what they're supposed to. They're having a great regular season. It's too bad they're going to choke in the playoffs in the tournament. So, oh, I haven't said one bad thing about Indiana since the turn since the season started. So, Coy, well, hope you kiss my ass. Well, Peyton, I tell you what, you won't choke on, and that is the wonderful protein 
uh, teas and coffees over at our friends and title sponsor of everything college basketball this year, Beauty to Beast Nutrition. Beauty to Beast, uh, Beauty to Beast Nutrition is located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. It is a healthy juice bar. You can, like I mentioned, you get your protein coffees, your smoothies, your skinny shot teas, all the healthy drinks without all the nasty side effects that you would get from regular sugary drinks like that. If you stop in today, tell them ECB sent you, you will get 10% off your entire purchase. Like I've mentioned in the past, one drink, five drinks, 10 drinks, doesn't matter. You tell them ECB sent you, you're getting 10% off that entire purchase. We can't thank Beauty to Beast Nutrition and the owner, Natasha, enough for jumping on board Everything College Basketball as the title sponsor this year. Fellas, we've had a crazy week. Week two, we mentioned, was loaded with better games than week one was. We got some great action. From this past week. But before we get into all of that, Peyton, I kind of, when we had Will on last week, I kind of skipped your recruiting. I know there's a couple things that you and maybe Phil want to touch on real quick. So now's the platform. You got a minute or two. If you got any recruiting news, let's hear it before we get into recapping all the craziness that was week two. Um, I'm just going to talk about really the biggest uh, recruiting news. I mean, the early signing period just ended. Uh, most of everybody in each class, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, all the recruits, mostly all of them uh, already signed their national letter of intent. Um, that's what I was going to talk about last week, but we had uh, Will on and we was too busy to talk about it. But the biggest story all week recruiting-wise is the number one recruit in my recruiting rankings. I don't give a shit what on three does. Motherfuckers have him at six. I don't understand that whatsoever. Six. That's um, insane. DJ Wagner, Dewan Wagner Jr., is officially committed and signed with the University of Kentucky. Um, no surprise here. I kind of expected it after all the ramblings of him not uh, taking an official visit to Louisville. Um, as soon as I seen he was going to commit Monday, I had a good feeling that he was going to commit to Kentucky, and it's no surprise here. Uh, Kentucky, this is their number one ranked recruiting class. They've already secured that. It doesn't matter what Duke does in the recruiting rankings or who they get um, committing soon. It doesn't matter because Kentucky will be number one. And this has got to be Coach Cal's best class he's ever had. This may be one of the best classes anyone's ever had, period. Matter of fact, this ranks higher uh, for the cumulative rankings for 24-7. This ranks higher than the Fab Five that Michigan had a long-ass time ago. Which is saying something because Cal's had some banger of classes. Phil, I know back in the summer and even the spring at the end of last year, We've been on this DJ Wagner watch and talk. We've talked about it in many episodes. Now that it's finally over, I think we're all not surprised that he ends up with Kentucky. But what do you see in this class with Kentucky with guys like DJ Wagner, um, Aaron Bradshaw, Rob Dillingham, this whole mega class? Uh, what do you see from this class coming in the next year? And kind of your general thoughts of what we all knew, DJ going to Kentucky. Yeah, starting off with the DJ to Kentucky, um, you know, I know they're in the spring, early summer, there were some reports and stuff like that, that he was leaning Louisville. Honestly, you know, we talked about, it. I just never bought into that. I think he was always going to be a wildcat. I think his dad relationship with Cal is just too tight. Um, and I don't think that was ever changing. I'm not sure that there was a smoke screen or anything along those lines. I think just, you know, obviously Louisville hired his grandfather, which a lot of people thought was going to be a, a huge deciding factor. But as far as what I expect, to see from them next year, you guys already sort of mentioned it. You know, it's probably the most talented recruiting class of all time. If not the, then definitely one of the top five. 
The thing I'm most interested to see is how him and Robert Dillingham fit together. I, I do think it will work. Uh, um, so so it's you're not, going this the, isn't a you're criticism. Going the, you're going anything. the Goodman line here because oh, Goodman yeah. seems to think that the two dominant ball guys can't play together. And I'm of the opposite belief, but I'm curious to hear what you think on that. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I did see Goodman tweet it out. Um, it, it's a fair question to ask, I think, because they are both more scoring oriented guards. But I think that there's enough minutes on the floor that for them to play separately, for them to both run the point. And then I think that, you know, they're both good enough shooters. They both can create well enough for others that they'll be able to play together. But I honestly think you may see one of them come off the bench. And I'm, I would assume that would be Dillingham of the two. Um, to give them a scoring spark off the bench. And like I said, maybe overlap for a couple of minutes, then let the other take over. Um, but I, I do ultimately think it'll work. I think at a certain point, it, when you just have two guys that are that talented, they will find a way to make it work. I, I'm going to give you one example. If this was most other coaches, I would have that concern. But we've seen it with Cal before. Uh, you go back, you don't have to go that far back. Remember when he brought John Wall and Eric Bledsoe in? Two predominant ball handling point guards in the exact same class. And we've seen how well that worked. And neither one of them were the scorers that DJ and Rob are. I actually think of the two, Dillingham benefits the most out of this because we've seen what kind of scorer he is. He can get his shot off. He's a nice three-point shooter. Um, I don't think he's going to shoot an incredible percentage, but I think he's going to be average enough. And I think if you have a guy like DJ on the ball and allows Rob to just hunt his shot, I think he benefits in this. So I think it works. Maybe it's just an internal optimist in me. I think it works. I do understand the the slight hesitation, but we've seen Cal mesh this before and it works. And I think it'll work here again. Peyton, you have any final thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to mention it because I want to keep this um, recruitment positive because I'm a huge fan of DJ Wagner. Am I sad and somewhat upset that he didn't choose Louisville? Yeah. But am I anyway pissed off about it? No. And I did read, well, I did watch what Jeff Goodman said of the Photo 68 podcast when he was doing their live post, uh, pregame live at the Champions Classic on Tuesday. Um, and he was talking about it. And I agree with somewhat of what he's saying. Uh, another two uh, ball dominant guards that Kentucky's had in the past in recent years was De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. Um, both of those guys needed the ball in their hands. But the difference on that is De'Aaron Fox was more of a distributor and Malik Monk was more of a shooter. Um, this is not the case with DJ and uh, um, Dillingham. Both guys can shoot it a little bit, but I don't consider them knockdown three-point shooters at all. And the question is, is like, where does CJ Frederick and Tony Reeves play on this? Because I don't see a world where they don't come back. Uh, Tony Reeves will be a super senior next year, and uh, CJ Flake's only played three years. He redshirted, I'm pretty sure, last year since he got injured um, and couldn't play the season. So, I mean, where do they fit in then? I do like a well, possible uh, lineup of, uh, you know, DJ Wagner with either one of those guys, either Frederick or Tony Reeves. I think that fits a lot better than it would with uh, two freshmen starting at the uh, two guard spots. Well, I think that goes back to Phil's point because I'm going to wrap this up, but I think it goes back to Phil's point that if it wouldn't be surprising seeing Dillingham come off as like a six man type role. And if you've got, I mean, it's not a bad thing if you've got those four guards as options. It, like, that's not a bad thing. And you know who's going to benefit the most out of this is Aaron Bradshaw. Bradshaw is going to, especially if those guys start putting shots up, he just needs to hang around the rim, be there ready for lobs, be ready for offensive rebounds. Him, a guy like uh, Uganda Kingsley Onyesu, if he comes back, I think this works. I think this is explosive, and I think the Cats for next year, I know we're looking ahead, I think they're ready to go already for next year. 
Um, he just go ahead. Needs, he just needs to do what Walker Kelsley did for Auburn last year. Just stay at the rim, block shots, and just get out be in the dunker spots. Yeah, yeah, be in the dunker spots. Uh, last thing on the cleaning news: AJ Johnson, one of the top uh, five stars, still left. That's uh, uncommitted so far. He's coming in on Monday tomorrow. Not sure what time. Um, Louisville, Texas, a couple others just in there, but. I mean, I would love to for him to come to Louisville, but just like DJ Wagner, he was supposed to come to Louisville for OV on the Louisville Live. Um, he was supposed to reschedule it because uh, sickness in his family. He never rescheduled it, and that makes me worried. Uh, he's going to be a Texas Longhorn. He is going to Texas. He will be under the tutelage of Chris Beard. And for me as a Louisville fan, who this is a really – because now we're going to have to hit the transfer portal hard next year for uh, to find some good guards for us next year. Um my hand isn't on or it isn't ready to hit the panic button just yet, but my hand's like grazing over that panic button because this is something I never expected when KP and the crew took over. I mean, this is what they're supposed to be good at. They're supposed to be great recruiters. And now that the IARP situation's behind us, you would think that we would get some high-level top five-star talent in Louisville, or at least take an official visit. And he did not, so now... He's going to be a Texas. Well, he's going to be in Texas next year, and uh, I'm starting to worry on the recruiting side of things more than the you know the coaching side of things right now. Phil, I'll let you wrap this whole recruiting deal up. Uh, thoughts on AJ Johnson? It sounds like he's going to Texas, and Louisville swinging and a missing a lot right now in the recruiting ranks. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that Louisville's in on a lot of these guys is a good sign. Um, I, I, I say to the Louisville fan base, just be patient. Everybody wants instant results, but KP didn't take over a great situation. Give him some time. Um, real quick, I just wanted to throw in there, I don't think he had committed yet by last week's show, but Isaiah Collier, one of the top recruits in the country, commits yeah. to USC, uh, pretty much expected, but joins our friend uh, Silas Demery in in that backcourt coming in next year. Um, I commented this on when Peyton had posted it the other day. I think Collier is, you know, one of the best, obviously, recruits in the country, huge pro prospect, but I think Silas Demery Jr. is going to be the better of the two college players. No, I'm with you. I mean, USC is building a nice recruiting class for next year. Um, that's exciting to see. Again, shout out to our buddy, uh, Silas Demery. We got the episode in the archives from back in the summer when he came on. Very elegant. Uh, once we got the internet issues squared away. But uh, go back and check that out before he made that commitment. But let's get into some action from week two, this past week of college basketball. And fellas, when I was putting down our outline for the show, I couldn't start off with anything but what a banner week it was for the Big Ten Conference. This is a conference coming into the year that we thought in our magazine and on theory or in theory that this was a two-horse race and then you had a couple good teams that wouldn't maybe challenge us high for Indiana and Illinois. But, man, after two weeks of college basketball, that looks to be completely flipped around. This conference looks deep right now. They win the Gambit game 6-2 over the Big East. And the team of the week, we'll get to the officially later on the show, but, man, the team of the week has to be the Michigan State Spartans. We've seen them in week one. We talked about it last week with Will. They lose a heartbreaker of a game against Gonzaga on the aircraft carrier where they lead most of the game and flub it up late. They don't do that this week. All they do is go to Indianapolis on Tuesday and double overtime, outlast a good Kentucky team for the win, and then hold home court in the Gavit games on Friday against Villanova, Michigan State. I'm just going to put this in theory now. When we do our uh, top 25 ECB 
ballots tonight turn them in for tomorrow's release. I think the majority of us not only is going to have Michigan State inside the top 25, I wouldn't be surprised if they get as high as in the top 10. Michigan State looks way better than we expected. It's our fault for doubting Tom Izzo. How dare us doubt Tom Izzo. But guys, as a whole, the Big Ten this week, we were able to see Purdue beat Marquette. We've seen Indiana beat Xavier. Let's just talk about the Big Ten Conference and how damn good they look. Corey, this is your conference and Phil's. I'll let you both take the first volley. Where do you want to start? What do you think of the conference right now? I mean, Illinois, you know, they, they had a big win over UCLA on Friday night. Um, came back, you know, they, they had some adversity in the middle of the game. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I caught about the last 10 minutes. So the best 10 minutes that Illinois played the entire night. Um, but they they took over the game, you know, the last 10 minutes. Dane Dinja has been just awesome so far. I, I've been advocating for him to maybe take Coleman Hawkins' spot in the starting lineup. But, you know, Hawkins does a lot of the little things, too. So that that sort of battle for minutes will be interesting to see. Terrence Shannon Jr., I don't want to get too much into it because uh, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later on, but had one of the best performances you will ever see. I mean, he was absolutely making everything. It didn't matter where he was shooting it from. Um, Sincere Harris comes in and really turns the game in the second half after not getting any minutes in the first half. Uh, Brad Underwood sort of talked about it after the game and was like, you know, I was just caught up too much in the game plan I came into the game with. We needed to go with pressure on defense and Sincere gave it to us. Um, The most impressive part for about Illinois for me so far has been, it's been different guys every game. I mean, TJ Shannon's had a couple of good games. Dine just had a couple of good games, but the young guys, Epps has been there one game really good. Harris has been there. RJ Melendez has had a couple of good games. Um, Coleman Hawkins had a great opener, but we haven't clicked on all cylinders yet. and We've still played very well. So I think when everything comes together, um, I honestly think this team can beat absolutely anybody in the country at their best. Yeah, they look phenomenal. Um, they look great. I, I do want to get in more into the Illinois game here just a little bit. But as Corey, as the Big Ten as a whole this week, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan State, uh, even uh, even some other teams like Penn State look pretty good. What are your thoughts now, now that we're two weeks in and they look so good? Uh, has your opinion of the conference changed? Yeah, no, the uh, the conference has showed – you know, the, the Gavit games is something the Big Ten's actually struggled with in recent years. And they came out and just put it on the Big East. And it was like from top to bottom, it didn't matter. I mean, Northwestern started out, you know, trailing a half and then shot lights out in the second half, you know, to, to kick it off on Monday after, you know. And then, you know, it just continued throughout the week. I think, you know, like like you mentioned, you know, we doubted Michigan State. And I don't know why we'd ever even think Tom Izzo didn't have a good team. Um, you know, Purdue looked tough. Uh, you know, it looked like, you know, Marquette kind of controlled the speed of the game at first. Purdue made changes and showed that they're still going to be really good. Indiana, we already knew was going to be good. Illinois, uh, it looked like, you know, Illinois still, you know, has another big man to kind of step in and replace Kofi. Um, and, you know, it's it's just going to be a, a conference that, you know, it didn't look like a, a clear two-cut or, you know, two, uh, two-team league. It still looked like there was plenty of depth this year. So it's going to be a fun league for sure. And, you know, this week just really kicked it off and made it look fun. Yeah. Um, Big Ten, man, looks good. You mentioned the Purdue game real quick. Peyton and I were blessed to be in attendance. Thank you to Purdue Athletics, House College Hoops and all that. Uh, just an incredible experience. Got to meet Bill Rafferty. But the Purdue team, I was super impressed with Marquette and Purdue. Uh, Braden Smith, 20 points. Zach Eady, 20 points, 14 rebound game. 
I think Purdue is going to be a real factor in the Big Ten this year. I don't know if they can win it, but I think they've got enough pieces. This is a typical Matt Painter team where they're defense first, they shoot the three pretty well, and then you have this big monstrosity of a man inside that's controlling the paint. And you could see guys like uh, Oso Iguodaro from Marquette had to have his shot readjusted multiple times. Marquette, on the other hand, too, I'm very impressed with them. I think they can make some noise in the Big East in the top half of the conference. They've just got to make sure threes are hitting and they got to get the tempo they want. But Purdue looked good. But let's, guys, the story of the week we mentioned it is Michigan State. Let's start with the Spartans inside the Big Ten this week. We mentioned coming off of the heartbreaking loss to Gonzaga. We all thought Kentucky, we, I think we all predicted Kentucky to win this game at the Champions Classic on Tuesday. Sparty held serve. This is a typical Tom Izzo team. They are big, they are physical, they are nasty, and it fits Izzo's profile as a coach and a man and a person himself. They will get after you. How impressive has A.J. Hoggard been this season so far? He's been tremendous. And then Michigan State just grinds you. There was multiple times in this game that Kentucky got up to like a five, six, seven point lead and Michigan State would rally right back. Going to double overtime, Oscar fouls out, Michigan State wins this game. Peyton, what do you take away from Michigan State winning this game before we ever talk about Kentucky? Um, you talked about A.J. Hoggard, how good he's been this season. Uh, and he's been great, don't get me wrong, but the player that I want to talk about who's really um, performed well to start the season is Mady Sisko. Uh, this dude, I mean, he went from, imagine this, imagine going from Drew Timmy from one game and the next game playing against Oscar Schiebler. That's two diff- difficult tasks to do defensively, and he did it, and he did it well for both games. Um, he shut Drew Timmy down pretty much in that first half until Drew Timmy got going in the second half. And in this game, he didn't shut uh, Schiebler down at any means, but he made it difficult on him, and hell, he uh, Schiebler ended up fouling out in the overtime period, so... I mean, he played well. He had uh, 16 points, 5 of the 10 from the field, uh, 8 rebounds. Eight rebounds. Uh, yeah. He did. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. I mean, he had 4 fouls in this game, but when you're playing against a cat like uh, Oscar Shibuya, it's going to be difficult to not uh, whack up some fouls, so I get it there. But, I mean, he was amazing. Malik Hall was incredible in this game, 20 points. He had the two most biggest plays of the game, um, one to send it to overtime and the other to send it into a double overtime. Yep. Uh, two out-of-bounds plays that are just bullying at IQ. Um, he had 20 points, 7-11 from the field. He uh, hit all of his free throws, five rebounds. He turned the ball over a lot, four turnovers. But, I mean, you won the game, so who gives a shit about that? Uh, Michigan State uh, shot 37% from the field for the three-point line, 7-19, 85% from the free throw line. Um, they did a good job, I think. They won the rebounding battle, forty-five to thirty-eight. They won plus seven with Oscar on the floor. Well, with him grabbing too, Oscar ended up with what eighteen rebounds. Uh, da, 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 da. yeah, Oscar, uh, yeah, eighteen rebounds. Yeah. He had eighteen of the thirty. What did you say? Thirty-six, thirty-eight. Eighteen yeah. of the thirty-eight. But that doesn't surprise you, Phil, because Izzo's teams have always known to be great on the backboard. And how about a guy like Joey Hauser? When he transferred in, was it two seasons ago or a season ago, whenever it was, to Michigan State? He had kind of a down year. We were kind of disappointed with Joey Hauser. He's been off to a tremendous start. 23 points, lead all scorers in this ballgame. He was hitting shots. He hit four threes, four uh, inside the arc, basically four field goals outside of three-point lands, what I'm trying to say. He had eight rebounds himself. 
Joey Hauser has been tremendous. This is the guy we expected when he transferred into Michigan State, is it not? Absolutely. And this is a very typical Tom Izzo team. Just there's not one star guy. They just they spread out the production. You guys mentioned Joey Hauser, Malik Hall, AJ Hoggard, Maddie Sissoko. But Tyson Walker has been great so far, playing almost 38 minutes a game, 13 and a half points, three boards, five assists, um, 46% from the field, 35% from three. I mean, they just they get a little bit out of everybody. Um, Jaden Akins, Tom Izzo was raving about Jaden Akins before the year. Um, I expect him to take on a bigger role as we go on. But, you know, 20 minutes a game so far, seven points, hasn't shot the ball well. So when he starts shooting the ball well, that's another, you know, producer in this backcourt. I When I did the Big Ten previews for the magazine, I sort of found in the Big Ten that there's a big group in the middle that you just didn't know exactly how good they would be. And I think we're seeing so far in this first week or two of the season that they're really good. And I, the Big Ten is honestly eight, nine, maybe even ten teams deep with really, really good teams that I would expect to see probably ranked all in the top 70 at least, top 80 in Ken Palm by the end of the year. Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, Michigan State just outlast and outwork Kentucky uh, late in the game. And Cal screwed up rotations. I'm going to try not to get on a tangent, but he just – how do you have a guy that's your leading scorer coming into this game, Antonio Reeves, played 22 minutes and does not see the floor, and I think they said the final 15, the little last little bit of regulation, and then both overtimes. Um, especially when Oscar fouls out, you need production. Um, on the Kentucky end, real quick, because I know we're talking about the Big Ten, Kentucky – Again, I thought Cal screwed up rotations. He, he played two guys in the low block. Just it, it was nothing like we hoped, but and it's typical Cal. That's why I'm disappointed in that loss. Uh, Case on Walls, 14 points, eight steals, ties the Kentucky record with um, Ashton Hagen's eight steals in a game. Um, Frederick wasn't really good. He hit five. I hit one three. Toppin wasn't what everybody hoped he would be. Lance Ware screwed up at the end there. Um, severe Wheeler, I thought played good again. I know he gets a lot of hate right now, which is crazy. 16 points, eight assists. I thought he was pretty good, but yeah, Cal, I, I think that comes back on Calipari. Um, I know it's hard to blame coaches a lot like that, but putting two guys in the block when you need to spread it out against a team that's just packing the paint makes no sense. Not having your top score on the game on the floor, just at pressing, but it's like a half ass press that allows Michigan State to break it and get a three on two to create the layup to go to the second overtime. Just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Kentucky doesn't win big game. They haven't won a big game since the Kansas game when they went to Allen Fieldhouse last year and blow them out. Yeah. So when it comes to big games, especially if it's close late, I trust Kentucky's going to lose because I don't trust Calipari. Yep. I, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I have the same sentiment. You're talking about late game situation within Cal. Um the, pre, the the bucket, the Malik Hall bucket that he had to send it into a double, the second overtime um, when they went full court and a little pick play and uh, uh, um, Malik Hall had a wide open dunk there. Uh, beautiful execution by oh, Tom Izzo, Izzo was, by the way. But, Izzo was great. Oh, yeah, it was a master class all night. Um, but the question for me is, is why the fuck is Coach Kyle pressing there? Yeah, you're trying to slow the game down, but they was having – struggles scoring in half uh, half court offense so why are you even pressing in that situation i don't know don't know don't know but let's stay on the the happy topics of michigan state here 
Real quick, not a whole lot to talk about in their game against Villanova on Friday night. They, I mean, anybody that watched this game knew they dominated Villanova. I think they got up at like 15, 16, 17 points at one point. Then Nova rallies. Um, I'll put it out to all three of you. Are you surprised that Villanova was able to pull this back considering the game flow? And man, again, how freaking great does Michigan State look? Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's Michigan State. They're playing at home in East Lansing. It's a tough place to play. Um, I, Villanova coming back, though, later in the stages, they saw, they saw it hit some shots. I mean, they got, they got talent. You know, Caleb Daniels, once Cam Wentmore and Justin Moore comes back um, and get more of a, a healthy rotation within the offense, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. Um, I did like the, the heart and toughness of them coming back against one of the toughest teams in their country, you in and you out in Michigan State and Tom Izzo. But they had a chance to win the game. I mean, they lost uh, by two points. I don't remember the official scoreline. 73-71. 73-71. They had a chance to uh, hit a game-winning three and just left it short. So, uh, I mean, hats off to them. They played well. I think they're going to do well in the Big East. But Michigan State, I mean, they are on a roll right now. Yeah, I think, like Peyton said, I'm a little surprised Villanova was able to make the comeback, um, just considering they still don't have Whitmore. But Eric Dixon has been great so far this season, was great in this game, 24 points, uh, 3 of 7 from 3. Um, I think he's averaging close to 20 a game so far on the year. Definitely not too worried about Villanova, despite the two losses. Um, I'm going to withhold any judgment until we see Cam Whitmore on the floor for them, because I do think he's their best player. But, I mean... Peyton touched on it. They they still have a ton of talent outside of him. Um, Daniel's really good. Chase Archidiakono is not a super talented player, but he's also not going to be playing 30 minutes a game for them, hopefully, once their rotations get fixed. So I, I think things come together for Nova. Um, and, you know, we've, we've slammed on it so far, but Michigan State has maybe been the most impressive team in the country so far, despite having a loss. They've played easily the toughest schedule of anybody so far. Oh, and it, uh, and, and it and doesn't get any easier. No, yeah. they have Alabama <laughs> in a few days. Um, they got Notre I'm sure Dame. We'll talk about Bama a little bit later. But yeah, Tom Izzo scheduled an absolutely brutal non-conference, which hope, I mean, they're going to have to get through it with a good record because, you know, as we talked about, the Big Ten is so deep that I think even the good teams in the Big Ten are going to probably have three or four losses. Yeah, I agree. Last thing on Villanova, I want to say that you kind of – mention or you mentioned uh, Chase Alkaniako. Uh one big struggle I'm noticing in this Villanova team right now is their lack of point guard play. They don't have a true point guard. Um, they don't have a guy you can get the ball to and go score a bucket. Um, going from uh, I think they we really underestimated the importance of having a guy like Colin Gillespie last year who can steady the waters, who can make everybody just better on the floor, hit some shots when he needs to, play well defensively, and they ain't got that right now. So not only do they have health issues with two of their best players and Justin Moore and uh, Kane Wortman being out, but they're really struggling to find a true point guard to really help them uh, go forward or help, win, help them win games. So once they find that out, if they do find that out, um, it's going to be a struggle, but we'll see. I think I think once they get into Big East play and Kane Wentmore comes back, he's going to show why he was a top 15 recruit. Yeah, I think uh, they, they really need Mark Armstrong to step up in that regard. He was non-existent in this Michigan State game. Only 13 minutes, no points. Uh, I mean, he didn't have an assist. They definitely expected him, I think, to – maybe not fully take on that role, but at least be able to replace some of the production. And if that doesn't happen, that could be an issue. 
Let's stay inside the Big Ten. Again, it was a monster week for the conference. Uh, Corey, let's go to your boys. Friday night, Indiana hadn't played in over a week since the Bethune-Cookman ass-whooping back at Assembly Hall. I think it was on Wednesday of last week. But Friday night, a couple nights ago, they go down to Cincinnati to play Xavier in the Centos Arena, which is a hard place to play. And they grind it out. A great game. One of the best games in this early season we've seen so far. 81-79, the Hoosiers come out victorious. And before you go in real quick, I will say, this is a game that IU of the past decade, half decade, does not win. It is nice to see the progression and how great was the combo of Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson in this game. Oh, 100%. Uh, Xavier Johnson showed that if he plays under control, plays you know to his skill set, he could easily be a top 10 guard, in my opinion. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis also shows that, you know, he was the best player on the floor, 30 points, you know, uh, pretty much moved and dominated at will. I think uh, Malika Renault showed that, you know, he almost belongs on the floor as that, you know, that co-tandem uh, with uh, Jackson Davis more than Race Thompson, who's been there in recent years. As a freshman, he is just an absolute man amongst boys, it looks like. And uh, Jalen Hosefino shows that he has the potential. Uh, I know he didn't shoot the ball overly well, but he shows that he can still do a lot of things. This Indiana team is definitely going to be fun. Uh, you know, they handled a lot of adversity, two technical fouls uh, for celebrating. Bullshit, by the way. Oh, Bullshit absolutely. Test. absolutely. It was horrible. I mean, it showed. I mean, the Centos was definitely hard to play in. Um, you know, you're playing against the Zebras and, you know, Xavier. So, um, you know, but overall, like you said, Indiana hasn't won that game or this kind of game in, you know, years past. And it shows that they came in, they handled a lot of adversity, they battled through. And, you know, in a close nail biter, they finished. And, you know, that's something that we haven't had in, in a lot of years past. I know we didn't shoot the three ball well. Uh, still was only like 37%, but that's still an improvement. And, you know, they handled without even shooting that well. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think things are definitely starting to trend up. I think it was a good, you know, confidence boost, and I'm excited to see where we go from there. Yeah, you mentioned Indiana goes four of twelve from three point line, thirty three percent. Still gotta be. I still want to see them shoot the ball better. And free throw line, seventeen of twenty six from the free throw line. Um, but the the thing that you mentioned there, that Phil, I know you had written about and you talked to us preseason about. The fact that Malik Renault and Trace Jackson Davis look so good on the floor together, they complimented each other, and Malik Renault looks like a dude out there. Absolutely, yeah. That was just, I mean, not not a hot take necessarily, but it was. I expected Renault. You know, his athleticism would help out there on the floor, and he's he's so much better of a passer than I even expect. I mean, he's a really good passer. I didn't expect him to be this good this early on. Um, Corey mentioned it though. I think personally the key to the game is really Xavier Johnson and how well he played. He's the kind of guy for them who I th- TJD's obviously the star, but I think they go as Xavier Johnson goes. If he comes out and plays again, like Corey, I think Corey pretty much characterized it perfectly. Plays under control, plays his role, doesn't try to go out there and take games over, just sort of fits into the spots that he needs to, plays off of Hood Shafino when he can. I think he could be first team all Big Ten and really be the kind of guy who, you know, takes over a tournament game or, you know, hits a big shot. Just Xavier Johnson is 
the key to this team for me. We we always make that joke about like so and so's their best player, but so and so's their most important player. But I think that may fit in this case. What do you guys think about down in crunch time, the final couple minutes, the Indiana team that was able to secure the lead and pull away for the most part there at the end and win this ball game? The five on the floor that I remember was Xavier Johnson. There was uh, Trey Galloway, Trace Jackson Davis, Malik Renault, and Miller Cop. That was their closing lineup, and that's the lineup that was able to lock in defensively, was able to create buckets on the other end of the floor, and secure the victory. No Hood Shafino, no Race Thompson, no Tamar Bates. That was their five. So what do you think about Mike Woodson's potential closing lineup there? Me, personally, I absolutely love Trey Galloway on the floor. He's just, I mean, he's a coach's son. He has the ba- in the basketball IQ. Sorry about throughout baseball. It's like that's on my mind all the time. But, uh, no, he has the basketball IQ. He understands, you know, the rotations. He, you know, he just kind of acts as a floor general. I think, you know, Xavier Johnson being 100%, the, you know, leading the points. And, you know, having, I mean, Jackson Davis always has to be in and stuff. But I think, you know, the one that really surprised me was Miller Cobb, and he's, you know, he's playing a little bit better than what he showed last year and looking well, a little bit more comfortable in what, you know, uh, Woodson's supposed to, or what he's wanting to implement. Well, how about Miller, too? He's in there to be a three-point sniper. Does not shoot the ball well at all, but he hits the big three at the end to secure the win for Indiana off the corner three when he got wide open. Um, Big-time balls on that one, but – I'll ask Peyton. I want to ask you, and then Phil and you guys can answer this as well. With race not necessarily playing the greatest and Malik Renault shining, at what point does uh, Coach Woodson go with the swap and starting lineup? Or does he? Do you keep Malik Renault coming in off the bench for six man? Or do you eventually make that swap and give the young kid more minutes and starter minutes? Uh, I think he deserves more minutes. I don't think he deserves the starting spot right now. Keep him up coming off the bench. Um, use him as a guy who can spark a run offensively, and his defensive uh, prowess can uh, help IU go a long way. So I keep him off the bench. Definitely increases minutes uh, per game. But um, as far as starting him, I, mean, I think Race Thompson should keep his starting uh, spot. I mean, he had eight rebounds in this game, so he played a big part in this win as well. Um, so I'd keep Malik Renault personally on the bench. But, Corey, what do you think? No, personally, I think, you know, Race, I think Race's time is going to dwindle. Uh, it seems like he's trying to live out of the three-point line a little bit too much right now. Um, you know, he's still not a career great shooter. Um, but I think, you know, right now it's still getting, you know, uh, Malik's feet wet, kind of getting him, you know, acclimated. I think he still picks up a little bit too much or too many fouls and stuff. I know, granted, he had one was that technical foul, but um, I think, you know, the, the minutes will increase, but I don't think, you know, uh, Woodson kind of showed last year that he's not really big into switching the starting lineup. And I think he's going to try and stick with it as much as possible. And, and like you said, have uh, have those guys come in off the bench to kind of create that spark. Yeah, I think Corey, Corey put it perfectly again. Um, I think you see Renault probably – he played 15 minutes in this one. Um, I think you probably see him get up to 22 or 23 minutes. I can't see it being much more than that just because he does have a tendency to uh, take some stupid fouls. And I honestly think that with the type of player he is, that he may be sort of best in short doses where he can come out, use that athleticism, and and be explosive. Um, definitely don't want to get him in foul trouble early in game. So, yeah, I see him coming off the bench as the sort of the sixth man. But I, 
I can see him taking over the majority of the minutes at the at the four or five. I mean, I would consider it the four for them. <clears throat> Wrap up this Indiana talk. Good win for the Hoosiers because we got some other games we need to talk about. But um, I, I want to. I do want to say this. Well, I was watching this game the other night, and it came to me. And I may be completely off base. I'm just going off his look, his body size, and the way he plays. I think Jalen Hutchinson reminds me of a combination of Jalen Suggs when he played at Gonzaga and Cole Anthony from North Carolina. I think if you combine his body type, the way he plays, and everything else, and including the hair too, I think he's kind of a combination of Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony. Do you guys think I'm off base on that? I'm not sure that he's as good of a scorer as Cole Anthony. Um, I think the Jalen Suggs comparison, just like body type-wise, is pretty fair. Um, again, I'm not sure that he's as good of a defender as Jalen Suggs was on the ball. Um, I, I think he has some of the qualities of each of those guys. I don't know that I would directly compare him to either. That's fair. That's fair. It just kind of popped in my mind. But let's stay in the Big Ten because, yeah, again, it was a big week. Let's go to your boys, Phil. The Illini, we talked about it a little bit. They come away victorious in Las Vegas against UCLA in this one. Um, back and forth affair. You mentioned Illinois played the final 10 minutes of that game, the best that they have played all season and maybe in quite some time. What did you take away from this game? Um, you know, sort of what I talked about earlier, just the depth of this team through three, four games. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Um, they have had different guys step up in each game. Guys have been able to, you know, fit into their roles. Um, I've been super impressed with the freshmen so far. You know, Ty Rogers hasn't had a great game yet, but has been good in spots. Jaden Epps had a really good game too, where he knocked down some threes, struggled in the UCLA game. But um, just as far as the UCLA game goes, I was really impressed with them overcoming that huge deficit in the second half. I mean, I think it got up to 15 or 16 at one point very early in the second half. Um, I texted Peyton and I was like, if they can keep it within 10, you know, they got another run in them. And obviously it helped that TJ Shannon was hitting absolutely everything. I mean, he went the fuck off. Eight of nine from three. Eight and, of nine from three. That's insane. And a few of them were open. There was one in the middle of the second half where I'm like, he was already seven for eight and UCLA didn't have a defender within five feet of him. And it was just like, what the fuck are you doing? But then there was a couple of them where, I mean, he just broke dudes off and said, fucking heat check and hit it right in their face um adam bona for ucla i was impressed with him offensively but defensively he got abused um again i only seen the last 10 minutes of the game but i seen hawkins take it to him i believe twice and dinja just broke him off in the post at one point so again really good offensively um but defensively he struggled uh hami Hawkins was good um Tiger Campbell was good for UCLA, but it just, Illinois turned on the pressure, uh, was able to kind of change the momentum. And then UCLA just sort of struggled to find a bucket there late. And how, I didn't mean to cut you off. How about what I was going to say is how about the transfers? We knew they were going to play a big role for this Illini team and they led the way with 29 and 11 respectively. Well, I'm sorry, Dane or Dinja had 13, but uh, Shannon had 29 and May or Mayor 11 and their contributions on both ends of the floor, their experience and leadership. Uh, this Illinois team is going to be as great as possible because in part those two dudes, I believe. I'm glad you brought up both ends of the floor because as much as we talked about how good TJ was offensively, Matthew Mayer defensively was amazing in this game. Um, didn't shoot the ball great from what I've seen, had missed a couple of open looks, but 
his length was giving giving uh, Hami Hasquez problems the entire night. Um, he came up with some huge defensive rebounds at the end of the game. Um, for a guy who's as thin as he is, too, or as thin as he sort of looks, great post defender. I mean, holds his own in the post. Again, uses that length. So he was I'm, – I'm not going to say the MVP because nobody can take that away from TJ Shannon, but he was phenomenal in this game as well defensively. How about this, too, real quick? Um, if you're looking at Ken Palm, they chart the game out on win probability. At about the 17-minute mark when uh, UCLA was on, I think, a 17-1 run and they had gapped the lead pretty big, their win percentage went up to damn near 90% win percentage. And then Illinois makes the run to come back to win this game. I mean, great fight by Brad Underwood's ball club. And on UCLA, and real briefly, you know, this team's obviously going to go as the experienced guys go. Jaime Hawkins, 20 points. Tyre Campbell, 22. The senior, David Singleton, 15. The rest of the young guys, Jalen Clark, 7. Amari Bailey, 1 point. Adam Bona, 5 points. And nothing else from Nwuba and Andrews. Is that concerning for UCLA that they have to rely so much on the the old guys to basically will them to victory? Yeah, Amari Bailey has been kind of the concerning one for me, not just in this game with the one point, but he just has not been very good so far this season. And he's a guy that I know Peyton was really high on, and me too. I mean, we both expected him to be first-team Pac-12, maybe compete for Pac-12 Player of the Year, at the very least freshman of the year. But he's a guy who looks like he is not ready to be at this level at all. No, I mean, Fullerson not bad shots. He's 0-5 from the field. His only point was from the free throw line, and he didn't even hit free throw as well. He's 1-4 for four from the free throw line. He had six boards, three assists, three fouls. He turned the ball over too much. He had three turnovers. I mean, he played 29 minutes. I mean, if UCLA wants to be great this year and win the Pac-12, they're going to have to get their shit together, and they're going to have to figure this out because, like Josh mentioned, you can't just rely on Jaime Hacquez and uh, Tiger Campbell to go get 20 apiece, which they did in this game. Um, they're going to have to have some help. I mean, David Singleton uh, hit some big-time shots, 4-7 from the uh, three-point line, 15 points. But uh, talking about Illinois, though, uh, the offensive MVP was, without question, uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. The defensive MVP to me, Illinois doesn't win this game without Sincere Harris. Um, this kid came Good on point. off the bench. Good point. And, uh, they was down 40-29 to 29 to start the second half, like under 16 minutes to go. And then – he came on the floor, and they started to do the little jump-and-gun press. And if he wasn't getting steals, he was deflecting it, and he was making things difficult for Tiger Campbell. And Tiger Campbell is one of the most experienced floor generals in the game today, and he was having trouble keeping up with or taking care of the ball when Cecil Harris was guarding him. So shout-out to him. He only had four points, two to three from the field, one assist. I don't know how many steals he had because it doesn't say on here. But, uh, I mean, he played 28 minutes, and – Oh, he played 10 minutes, excuse me. And if he does not play as good as he did defensively second half, I'm sorry, Illinois does not come back and win this game. That's so a great shout to him. That's a great shout. Phil, what do you think about that sincere, sincere Harris in that game? Oh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Brad Underwood talked about it after the game and was sort of kicking himself in the ass for not giving Sincere any minutes in the first half because he did not play in the first half. And Underwood just said that, you know, we – got too caught up in our own gameplay. You know, we came in expecting the game to go a certain way and then it didn't really go that way. And thankfully, you know, he made the adjustment at halftime, but sincere was phenomenal. Um, last thing I want to say about the game before we move on is shout out to the Illinois fans. This was a, this was a home game in Las Vegas. I mean, you're, you're two hours away from Los Angeles or whatever it is. 
and there it was 90% Illinois fans for this game. Um, it was loud. It, you know, at one point, I don't even know who was calling the game, but they mentioned they were like, this seems like a regional final in the United Center right now. Like it was, it was a huge game atmosphere packed with Illini fans, hoping we see that again today, but you know, Virginia fans travel well too. So we'll be interesting to see the, the makeup of the crowd today, but yeah, huge shout out to Illini Nation. Yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, we got a couple other games real quick. The rapid fire here. We had another champion classic mega matchup between Kansas and Duke. Kansas is the victor, 69-64. No Bill Self on the sideline. This was part of his four-game suspension. Um, we were catching this game as our, we were on our way back from Mackey Arena. Um, Jalen Wilson put a show on 25 points. If you remember, I'm begging for him to step up. He's had a good year so far early on in this year. Good back-and-forth contest. They traded the lead a bunch of times. It was close throughout, but Kansas had just enough to outlast the Dukies. Peyton, your thoughts on Kansas's victory here? I'll tell you what, Josh. Let me ask you a question, dog. How's how good's the dick? Ah, because well. we don't win this game without him. He played so huge in that second half. He had like he went on a six oh one himself. Uh, he had a three pointer, and then he hit a couple twos. Uh, that last bucket he hit, a little reverse layup, was just ridiculous. Um, you know, I still have my concerns about Duke. I mean, that doesn't change in this game. Um, but they, I mean, they played well. They easily they got down, I think, sixteen seven early in the first half, and then they rallied. Uh, Tyrese Proctor uh, had uh, nine points in this game, played twenty eight minutes. Uh, Kyle Filipowski surprised me a lot. He had seventeen points. He led them in scoring. Six eighteen from the field, one of six from the three point line. He's supposed to be a three point shooter. Uh, Fourteen boards though, so he had a double double. So he had a great opening display against uh, Kansas. But um, you know, Kansas they won this game. And uh, as I predicted, I thought it would be a higher scoring margin than this. Uh, very stuck in the mud. It was a rock fight. And Kansas wins this game because they showed their championship pedigree. And Jalen Wilson, 25 points, 11 boards, 5 assists. He's that dude. Phil, you were able to see Duke multiple times already throughout this year. I know you've seen him the other night in person post-Kansas loss. Um, you were able to see Dark Whitehead finally get on the floor. Derek Lively starting to increase in minutes. If Dark Whitehead played in this game against Kansas, would the outcome have been different? Um, probably not, to be honest. I mean, maybe if he had started the season and, and had a few games under his belt, but if he was just making his debut, I don't think Derek makes that big of a difference. Um, he wasn't great in the Delaware game. I, I'll I'll get to that in a second. But um, you know, I was not a huge Jalen Wilson guy coming into this year and he's been fucking amazing. He's been one of the best players in the country. If not, maybe the best player in the country to be honest with you. Um, and so fully admit wrong there. I mean, I, I thought that he was a good player. I wasn't sure that he was capable of taking on that lead man role. And he, obviously he is. Um, I kind of feel a little bit the opposite of Peyton coming out of the game. As far as my concerns with Duke, I feel less concerned um, with them than I did going in just because I think, again, not at full strength, still don't have Lively playing full-time minutes. Whitehead doesn't play at all. Proctor's still coming along. Um, and, and they were able to hang with one of the best teams in the country. I think that's a huge positive for them going forward. They, they have to find some scoring in the half court, which we started to see a little bit on Friday night against Delaware. I think the, the key for Duke is going to be finding ways to get Pro or, uh, Roach off the ball, excuse me, and if Proctor's able to, you know, grow a little bit, and we've seen it again on Friday night, had the best game of his career, 
and take more of that ball handling role. That'll be huge for Duke. Um, we're going to really see in the coming weeks as Whitehead gets worked back into things, the potential of this team, though. If he's as good as we all think he is, it, it takes him to a completely different level. Completely agree. Um, I, I'm actually with you. I feel a little less concerned with Duke. I just think Kansas is a little bit above them right now. But once Duke gets mixed back together and kind of in the groove of things, and you got to keep in mind Shire is only a couple games into his coaching career. He's going to be a different coach come January than he is from February than he is when they get into March. And you finally blend all that talent together. I think Duke's going to be fine. I think this is just um, an indictment and a celebration of how good Kansas is, regardless of what's going on around them. I think Kansas has that championship pedigree. And if Jalen Wilson's going to continue to play out of his mind, then they're going to be right there in the hunt for another Big 12 and maybe potentially NCAA uh, title. Um, we had one other mega game this past week I want to get to real quickly, and that was Texas just beating the doors off of Gonzaga. Now, it's not a surprise to any of us that Texas won this or wins this game. Brand new arena, which, by the way, if you watch that, that place looks nice. It is loud. It is a true home court advantage. That place was rocking all night. Not a surprise Texas wins this game. It is a surprise that they beat them by 19 points and could have easily beat them by more. Uh, how good was Tyrese Hunter in this ballgame? One of the most coveted transfers in the offseason. And he is showing up 26 points. Did anything on the floor he wanted to against Gonzaga's defense. Um, helped out. Marcus Carr looks good to start this year finally again. Dylan DeSue, the Vanderbilt transfer, 12 points. Sir, Bar Sir Jabari Rice transferring in with 11 points. Up and down the floor, this Texas team, defensively great offensively just spreading teams out and just burying shots or getting to the rim on them. Texas looks like the real damn deal and good luck going into that brand new arena and beating Texas this year. The Moody center is one of the best home court advantages in college basketball. Now, how damn good does Chris Beard have it right now? Oh, he has it big because this team is, this is the team that Josh, I mean, you thought was going to be the team last year and just wasn't. Uh, but Chris Beard, now that he's got a culture down, he's got a system down, um, Tyrese Hunter changes this team completely. Because last year, I mean, no offense to Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones, but that wasn't Chris Beard's players. That was Shocker Smart's players. Um, so now that he's got a system down, he's got a scoring goal. He's got a guard who can run the offense and go get buckets. And boy, oh boy, did Tyrese Hunter do that. 26 points, 9 to 14 from the field, 5 to 8 from the three-point line. He lit Gonzaga up. Up. Marcus Carr did what he did. He played well. 16 points, 4 uh, rebounds, 7 assists, 4 of 9 from the three-point line himself. So those two guys alone, if they can continue to play like that, there's no reason that uh, Texas cannot win the Big 12 uh, regular season title this year and potentially uh, get into the Final Four. But Gonzaga... I think they got a major concerns because if Drew Timmy doesn't play well, he had 18 and 9 in this game, but he still struggled. If he doesn't play well, who's going to step up for them? Well, Phil and Corey, I mentioned it last week, and even the, the win against Michigan State, and we've seen it now. The backcourt in Gonzaga has been super disappointing. Um, Nolan Hickman and company, they have been very disappointing. Uh, do you think that if they don't get this fixed, what do you think that's going to happen? Because Timmy can only do so much. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of a rare situation that we find Gonzaga in because usually, if anything, the concern for them is front court. You know, can they 
handle the size and physicality of, you know, the better teams in the country. And I think this year we're seeing that, it, you know, that still may be an issue for them, but the backcourt is the major issue, as you mentioned. You know, we expected them to be deep. They bring in Malachi Smith, you know, expected a lot more out of him so far. Um, I'm not super concerned about the offense because I think that's going to come along. I think at some point these guys are going to start knocking down their shots. What concerns me the most is how bad they have been defensively. They were horrible defensively in this Texas game. Um, just they they didn't guard fucking anybody. I mean, Texas was making a lot of shots, but Gonzaga is they're struggling to keep up with teams in transition. Um, saw it at times in the Michigan State game too. The athleticism that Michigan State brought to the table was an issue. Um, they're going to have to get it together defensively. They're going to be a great team offensively as they are every year. But you know, the past few years when they've been great, they've been a top twenty defensive team. I don't see that this year, at least not with what we've seen so far. Corey, last thing on Texas. How about them? Number one in Ken Palm, uh, passing Kentucky for the first switch of the, the college basketball new year. Uh, they're number one in Ken Palm. They're seventh in offense. The number one defense in college basketball right now, according to Ken Palm. How about Texas showing up and showing out? All right. All right. Well, Phil, Peyton, I'll let you answer that if Corey's not available. <laughs> Uh, yeah, surprised to see Texas in the number one spot. Um, but there's a ton of talent. I mean, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, uh, Tyrese Hunter, as you mentioned. I think this is you know this is the team that we expected to see last year. Dylan Mitchell, I forgot to mention. You know, they they have a ton of athleticism. They can get up and down. They can shoot the ball. They can defend. Texas is one of these teams that is in the national title hunt right now. I I, mean, I was getting I was getting ready to say it. I it's, think it's still so early, but. Yeah. You can't think, you can't rule them out. I mean, three of the ten best teams in the country right now are in Texas too, between Texas, Houston, and Baylor. I say yep. That. yep, yep. Speaking of Baylor, real quick, great transition. Last game, real quick. I want to recap. We'll hit it rapid fire style. Baylor loses to Virginia out in L or out in Las Vegas, the same building where Illinois and UCLA was played at. Actually, the first game of the night. Um, are we surprised? Because Virginia kind of dominated this game. Baylor tried to make a run late, but Virginia dominated this game, Peyton. Yeah, Virginia dominated. I wouldn't say they dominated the game. They dominated more of the second half because it was a tale of two halves. Um, first half, Baylor pretty much dominated them. They were shot 7-17 from the three-point line. And the second half, they went cold. And Virginia shot well from the three-point line in the second half. Uh, all main flank on shot to him. I mean, 26 points, 7-12 from the field, 3-6 from the three-point line, 9-10 from the free-throw line, four rebounds. Uh, he had some big-time steals, and he was just a big energy guy for them. I don't think they win this game without him and his production on the floor. But Virginia, the defense is great, as I expected. And this is the reason I was hyping them up all season. Virginia Fellas, is Final Four good. You want to hear scary? Virginia, we know their defense is always great, right? With exception of last year. They're 13th in defense. They're number four in offense. They're the second best three-point shooting team through the first two weeks college basketball, shooting 51.2%. Number four offense, Virginia. What kind of wacky, weirdo world we're living in? Right. And actually, that's one thing I was going to bring up uh, a little bit more of as a concern, though. Is, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this is, is this three-point shooting sustainable? Because I, I picked Virginia to cover the spread in this Baylor game. I thought they would play well. But, you know, they're not going to shoot 64% from three most nights. So it, is this a one-off or do we think that this Virginia team, you know, even if they could stay around 40% for the year, would be amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that, that would put them historically 40% puts you like top 25 in the country. Yeah. So is, do you guys think this offense is sustainable? Because I'm not sure with the way they're shooting the three point shot right now that it is. Unless you're the golden state warriors, you're not going to shoot 64 or in their case, overall 51%. You're, it's just not. But like you said, I think they could shoot 40% this year. I, I think they've got the guys their experience. that defense is always going to carry them and they're going to get open shots because of it. I, I think they could be a 40% three-point shooting team, and that's going to put them their offense not fourth. I mean, I don't expect them to stay fourth, but can they stay top 25, top 30 offense and then keep that top 10 defense? If they shoot 40% from three, I think they're probably the best team in the ACC. I do too. I I, I think that's a question for them is is can they sustain the shooting? Which makes Peyton's point because you remember when we argued about the magazine in the beginning of the year or preseason when Peyton was saying I think Virginia could win this conference I mean it's starting to look like it I I think they can but we'll I think the next month of the season seeing how hot they stay or where that sort of three-point number settles at will sort of determine that well, if you rank the ACC right now, Virginia's one, Duke's two, North Carolina's three. That's, I don't I, even know that North Carolina's three, Virginia to be Tech honest. Three? I might take Virginia Tech over North I mean, Carolina It's debatable. Right They've struggled. They're yeah, I mean, win. the thing with UNC, it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt because at least the teams ahead of them have played good teams. Yep, We've yes. seen Duke against a good team. We've seen Virginia against a good team. We haven't seen UNC play anybody that should be on their level, and they've still struggled. And they're yeah. struggling with Gardner-Webb. They're struggling with UNC Wilmington. Yeah, I am I am disappointed in Carolina. I am very disappointed. But, fellas, we're going to play some ads here to pay the bills real quick, and when we come back, we got a big week of Feast Week games to preview. We're getting all that and more right after you hear a word from our sponsors. Peyton, let's start with the SeatGeek one first. What's going on everybody? This is Josh here and I'm here to let you know that we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets and they are here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off of your first purchase. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tondo, the co-founder of House Enterprise, and I'm happy to announce that the Everything College Basketball podcast is now part of the House of College Hoops Network. We're really excited to bring you some premier college basketball content this season, so check out the website www.house-enterprise.com for all of our content creators, all of our college hoop stuff, and we're excited to get this season rolling. What's going on, everybody? This is Conrad here from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. Every Monday, we are live at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time with Clash of the Podcast, where you can listen to myself and my tag team partner, Sean Hubbard of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, talk all the latest and greatest in pro wrestling. You might even find an old school topic or two as well mixed in. And every Wednesday, we go live on YouTube once again with AEW Dynamite post-show coverage. So at 10.05, head on over to the Everything Pro Wrestling channel and talk what we just saw on Dynamite with us. And did I mention that we are on all available audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you so much for listening to me. And let's get back to everything college basketball. 
There you have it. A word from our sponsors. Guys, go check out the SeatGeek app. Download it. Use promo code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. Support our friends at Everything Pro Wrestling. And of course, go check out our site, house-enterprise.com for the best collection of writers and coverage of the world of college basketball. Fellas, it's feast week. Thanksgiving week brings a lot of MTEs and big games. Let's start with today's action as we sit here on a Sunday recording like normal. Three big-time games in the world of college basketball. Let's start with the, I guess by rankings, it'd be the big one. But both teams basically coming off losses this week. Kentucky goes out to Spokane tonight. And don't give me this shit. It's not a road game. This is a road game. It's going to be packed with Gonzaga people. We've got Kentucky at Gonzaga tonight. How are we feeling? Score predictions? All that. We'll start and uh, we'll go around the table here. Peyton, we'll start with you. What if I don't want to start this? Well, fucking Phil can dart it then. I know. I'm starting. I just I was trying to buy me some time so I can get uh, Ken Palm opened up here. But, uh, I mean, Kentucky, they're coming off. Both these teams are coming off uh, difficult losses. Uh, Gonzaga, we literally just talked about them getting drubbed um, on the road at Texas. And the Kentucky taking a double overtime loss to uh, Michigan State. Um, the question for me is, is, if this is a close game, I'm trusting Mark Few over Coach Cal. Um, 100%. But, I mean, Gonzaga right now, the number one in offensive efficiency. Kentucky is uh, fifth in defensive efficiency. Um, Kentucky's sixth in offense, and Gonzaga's 28th in defense. So there's a big discrepancy there uh, for both uh, for both teams uh, defensively. But, uh, I mean, Oscar Sheba, I mean, this is what we talked about a lot last year. How will Drew Timmy play if he played a guy like Oscar Sheboy? We're going to find out. We're going to see if he can stay out of foul trouble. We'll see if he stays on the floor. Because if he stays on the floor and he, and he can have a good game, then I think Gonzaga can win this. But I just don't think they're up to par. I think Kentucky wins this game because they need it. I mean, they can't start 0-2 in, big, um, in the two biggest games to start the season. They can't do it. They'll run Cal all, all, out of the uh, room now, <laughs> they do. But uh, Kentucky wins this game. They hit enough shots. Frederick and Lees ain't going to shoot as bad as they did against Michigan State. Kentucky wins this game in a pretty high-scoring 82-75. Phil? Um, I mean, I, I'm the resident Gonzaga defender here. I, I feel like that's that's the role I've <laughs> I've had to take on. Um. And I think I think they find a way to win this one. I like them better offensively. Uh, I think at the end of the year, Kentucky's maybe the better team, but I think Kentucky still has a few more pieces to figure out. I think Drew Timmy has himself a nice game. I think we get a coming out party from somebody in the backcourt. I'm not going to say a specific name, but I think between Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman, Malachi Smith, Julian Strother, somebody steps up and has 20 plus knocks down some threes and I like Gonzaga in a game that isn't super tight isn't a blowout I think we see Gonzaga by seven here and the home court advantage like Josh said this is not a neutral court no matter what anybody wants to sell you and uh home court advantage comes into play and the Zags steal one Corey Corey back with us you know as hard as this is going to be to say and it's a good thing that Johnny's not on the show today, being a fellow Hoosier fan. I have to say, I think Oscar's going to dominate Timmy down low. I think, you know, I think Wheeler's going to come in and 
and be the guard off the bench to give him a little bit of a spark. And I think Kentucky takes this game in Spokane. Uh, you know, even though even though it is a you know a, a neutral road game, I think I think the Kentucky comes in with a little chip on their shoulder, and I think they take this one. I think it's going to be a a little bit of a punch out. I think it's going to be about an 82-73 game, and Kentucky's going to come away with it and have a nice flight home back to Lexington. Oh, I like it. Um, I guess that leaves me right. Um. I'm going to use reverse psychology because I'm still disappointed in that Michigan State game. There's no, there's nothing wrong losing to Michigan State, but there is something wrong with your end-of-game situations. And it's not just a one-off. It's a pattern. Cal freezes up here lately in these big games. When used to in big games, Final Fours, tournament games, he was so confident and loose. He made the right decisions. For the last couple of years, he's not had it. And unless we're blowing Gonzaga out and he doesn't have to worry about it, this game's going to come down to the final two or three minutes and he's going to find a way to fuck it up. Um, I, I'll just say, I think Gonzaga wins this game. I do. I'm with Phil. I think that uh, Gonzaga has something. The two guys who concern me are Strother and Timmy. We know the backcourt from Gonzaga struggled. I think this is the game where at least one of them, like Phil said, Malachi Smith, and it's probably going to be Hunter Salas. It's probably going to be that guy that has that talent that plays well. I think Gonzaga finds a way to win this game. Not, I, I do think Timmy's going to be neutralized. And by neutralized, I mean like 13 points, 10 rebounds, which is crazy. Um, I think their backcourt's going to have one guy steps up, hits some big shots, and it's going to be late, and Cal's going to fuck it up again. I think Gonzaga wins a entertaining game, like 88-84, just enough to win this game. Hopefully my reverse psychology works. Kentucky gets this right and wins this game. What? You just said the magic thing. I want you to look at Gonzaga's record when Timmy doesn't score 19 or 20 points and above. I, and there's something that was shown in that last game that when he scores, Gonzaga wins. When he gets limited, they actually have a losing record. So I just want you to go on record right there as saying that that's why Gonzaga loses. Well, no, if he if he doesn't have a great game, yes, they will lose. But I do think because – this is such an intense environment. They're coming off a loss. They're in a spot that they haven't been in a long time of losing two in a row. I think they find a way. Again, I'm hoping reverse psychology works. Obviously, I want Kentucky to win this game. Obviously. But I've got to be – I feel really dirty-minded that I just, you know, stood up for Kentucky, though. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I need uh, to wash my mouth out. But I've got to use my analyst hat and be real here, and I think Gonzaga wins this game, although I hope Kentucky wins. Hey, Phil, let's go to your boys here. We'll let you start. They're playing – is it a championship tonight, or is it just the two winners playing each other and two losers? It's, it's technically a championship. It's technically a tournament. Um, so this oh. is the main event. of. I don't even – is it just called the main event? I don't even fucking know. It's a double main event, It's a double main event, It's a double main event. Illinois playing um, Virginia – Man, this is going to be a defensive slugfest. I think Illinois has to get out, but let's hear your official prediction. Um, you know, I, I'm a homer. I got to go with Illinois. I don't think Virginia shoots the ball as well as they did the other night. I don't think Illinois shoots the ball as well as they did the other night. I think Illinois has more depth, just more talent overall, more athleticism. I honestly see this not being super high scoring, not super low scoring. I, I want to go 78 to 70. The Illini take it. Home court advantage again. So many Illini fans there comes into play. And uh, TJ Shannon hits a couple of big shots late to give us some separation. 
Corey, who you got, Illinois or Virginia? I'm taking Virginia in this one, I think. Uh, I think the defense is, you know, for both teams, is going to step up. But I think Virginia hits a couple key shots when the time matters. And, uh, you know, the offense isn't going to be as efficient as what it has been. But I think they're still going to, you know, score the, score what they need. I think it's going to be, you know, lower in the 60s. Uh, but I think they're going to win it. I think this is going to be a tale as old as time in the world of basketball. I think one team's going to push the action. The other team's going to grind it out. And it's whoever establishes their dominance. Here's the thing. I think Illinois has shown that they, if it turns into a rock fight, they're plenty okay with playing a rock fight. Because of that, and they've got guys like Terrence Shannon Jr., such a great defender. They've got a guy like Matthew Mayer, who's a 3 and D guy. I go Illinois pulling out a, a close one, probably an ugly one, but an entertaining one. I think Illinois wins like 69-63. Uh, I'm going with Virginia on this one. Uh, kind of the same score margin. I think Virginia wins 67 to 61. Uh, Virginia, to me, um, I, like Phil said, he mentioned it. He hit the nail on the head. Uh, Virginia's not going to shoot as well as they did uh, for, from the three-point line as they did against uh, Baylor. Um, it's just not going to happen. Illinois is too versatile on defense. Um, I like this Illinois team. I think they're going to be really good, and I think they're the favorites right now to win the Big Ten Conference. But Virginia, I think the biggest issue right now that I've seen and the only reason the Baylor came back is, yeah, they got hot, but Virginia, as soon as Baylor started to put on that press, Virginia started to fold a little bit. And Illinois is probably going to press them with that little jumping gun press I mentioned earlier. So if you're Kihei Clark, if you're Reese Beekman, if you're Vander Plus, whoever it is, you got to take care of the ball. I think they will, and they'll hit enough shots. Low-scoring game, Virginia gets the job done. Let's stay in Las Vegas. The other one, let's go UCLA-Baylor. One team's going to walk away with at least one win, and the other team's going to walk away with two losses, both inside the top 10. So there's going to be some shakeup inside the top 25 this week, guaranteed. By the way, I forgot to mention, this week alone, we had eight top 25 teams lose, three inside the top five. Um, you know, UCLA, if they lose this, can make two losses from a team inside the top five. Um, I guess I'll take first volley on this one. I think this is going to be entertaining. I think this could be high scoring. Both teams kind of play similar and they want to build with their defense and create transition buckets. I just don't see Baylor losing twice. I trust them more right now than I do UCLA for the reasons we mentioned earlier when we talked about the UCLA loss to Illinois. They're going to rely so heavily on Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell that if one of them big time freshmen don't step up, Adam Bona, or uh, help me out, I forgot the other kid's name. Oh, Amari, Amari, Bailey. Ba Amari Bailey, thank you. If one of those two don't step up, they don't win this game. I've got Baylor fairly comfortable. I think that they'll win this like 81-68. Yeah, I got Baylor win this game. I don't see them losing two games in a row, especially two top 25 uh, matchups in a row. Um, kind of like you said, to me, Baylor, I think Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer is better duo than Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell. I think as of now, Keontae George is better than Amari Bailey and Adam Bona. So I think Baylor's defense is better, and I think the offense is better. So Baylor gets the job done 77-69. to 69. I'm with both of you guys. Like Peyton just said, Keontae George is the best talent on the floor. Baylor has the better experienced players on the floor. They have a better think, coach. Yeah, they got a better coach. I think we see maybe the, the, the cream separate from the crop here a little bit. And uh, I think Baylor puts it on him like 84-68. You guys remember who I absolutely was against every week last year? Yeah, I UCLA? 
you know, I still don't believe in him. I think uh, I think Baylor, <laughs> you know, like Phil said, has the experience, has the coaching, and has the dominance tonight. And I think it's going to be a uh, 79-67 game. I think they walk away and they don't lose two in a row. And UCLA, still not a fan of. UCLA fans are going to come after us. Bonus game I want to hear everybody's pick on, just to score real quick. Houston and Oregon is also today. That's a good one, yes. And isn't Houston on the road, or is it uh, – uh, It, it might be another one of those neutral court. Neutral but it's like it's near, in Portland. Okay, yeah, I was going to say it's near Ooh, Oregon. Sure. Yeah, it's Ooh, it's in Portland. Man, I think since it's so close to Oregon, I think Oregon finds a way to keep this close. But Houston's probably the best team in the country right now. I, I'm yeah. going Cougars winning by like 13. Yep, exactly. Uh, he, he said give a score prediction, so I'll give a score prediction real quick. I think Houston wins 90 to 78. I'll take that too. That's I mine. Oregon keeps it close. Houston wins. I like Houston 85-82. Not a chance that Oregon stays close. Houston is the best team in the country. They're my front pick right now to go far in the tournament. I think they're going to put it on. I think they honestly beat them by about 19. I think it's going to be 91-72. Let's move on to it's feast week, ladies and gentlemen. That means it's MTE time. Let's start with the big one, the Maui Gym Invitational back in Hawaii for the first time in a couple years. We're not going to go over every game. That'll take too long. We do have some good ones. Texas Tech, Creighton right away. That's a good one. Louisville, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, San Diego State, Cincinnati, Arizona. It's always a great field, a great crop of games. Let's just go with who do you think's in the final who do you have as a win? And I'll tell you right now, I've got Creighton, Arizona final, and I've got Arizona winning their third Maui Gym Invitational. They won it in 2000. They won it in 2014. They've been runner-up a time or two. Arizona knows how to navigate as a program this tournament out in Maui for three days. Give me Arizona over Creighton, and I cannot wait. There's some great matchup potentials here in this tournament. Phil, Coy, one of you guys can go next. I'll go ahead and go. Um, I got a surprise here in the Maui Gym Invitational. I like Ohio State coming out of this. Somebody I liked in the Big Ten. A uh, guy like Bryce Sensabaugh is averaging 18 points a game so far in just 17 minutes a game. Um, going the fuck off. I think Ohio State comes out of this with a, a few big victories, and they enter that Duke game with the Big Ten ACC showdown ranked maybe top 15. By the way – Go and share the news. You're going to be there live in attendance for us in House of College Hoops. Yep, I will be at Duke and Bellarmine tomorrow night, and then at uh, Duke and Ohio State the following week, and uh, we'll just go from there. Might be might be some more games mixed in there. We'll find yeah. out. By the way, real quick, Peyton and Corey, while you're the reason I picked Arizona, um, seventh in the country in three point shooting, shooting forty six, almost forty seven percent. The number one two point shooting team, seventy two, almost seventy three percent. Eighth in blocks, uh, and this is a great team. Kirk Kreza ranks nationally in three-point percentage. He's 10th, shooting almost 69%. They got guys like Pella Larson, Omar Balo, uh, Azulas Tabula, or Tubelas. Um, this is a fantastic Arizona team. That's why I have them winning it. Yeah, Josh, I just want to make a comment on that, too. Arizona's fucking great. The, the yeah, they're depth. real good. Adama Ball is really good. Um, look, just, look, how big so they, good. look how big they are. Yeah, uh, six eleven, seven foot, six five, six three, six six, and, seven foot. And I don't know if he's played yet, but Courtney Ramey. We didn't even mention Courtney. That's Ramey. true. Yeah. So yeah, Arizona just absolutely loaded. Loaded to the gills. Peyton Maui Jim winner. 
Uh, By the way, real quick, Phil, real home time. Phil, you have Ohio State winning it. Who do you have them beating? Because they're coming out of the bottom bracket. Who do you have them beating in the top? Creighton or Texas Tech or Arkansas? Because we know it's going to be Louisville. Fuck you. Arkansas. <laughs> okay. Nick Smith should be back, I think. I expect Arkansas to be pretty impressive. Okay. Um, top half of the bracket, I got Arkansas. Bottom half of the bracket, a little surprise, I got Cincinnati. Uh, I really Ooh. like who I really like. Even though they took a tough L to uh, Northern Kentucky, they got beat 64-51. Uh, um, I still think they're a really good team. I think they're going to keep it cl- like a 10 in the AEC this year. They got a lot of dudes. David Julius, uh, Landish Nolly, former Memphis uh, player last year. Um, they got a lot of three-star recruits coming in and guys coming back. Uh, I think Cincinnati beats Arizona, and I think Arkansas beats Cincinnati in the final to win the Maui Invitational. Corey, who you got? I got Creighton and uh, sleeper pick that nobody else took, San Diego State. That's a good one. I think Creighton takes it. What a fun tournament this is. We've got some damn good teams in this tournament. Peyton, real quick. Can I be the first to take a prediction in this? Go ahead. Louisville, eighth place game. They take eighth. I was getting ready to ask Peyton, too. I said, do you think they can win a game in this, Peyton? Because there's no Shamanad in this. <laughs> if people watching can see him. Um, let's move on to the uh, another big one. Let's go to the battle for Atlantis. We've got uh, Kansas, North Carolina State, Dayton, Wisconsin, USC, BYU, Tennessee, Butler. And I think all signs should point to a Kansas-Tennessee final. And... I don't know. I'm going to have to debate on this one. I'll let somebody else take. Um, Phil, I'll start with you. Who do you got winning the battle for Atlantis? Um, I I like Butler. I'm a big Butler guy this mm-hmm. year, man. Um, I, I really like them. And I don't, I don't actually think this would happen, but just being in the Raleigh area, I have to say it would be a very NC State thing to do, to either play Kansas close or beat them and then lose to somebody like, fucking Bethlehem next week <laughs> not even in this tournament i'm just saying it should like last year they played purdue to overtime and then lost to right state the next game so i could see nc state giving kansas a tough battle but i like butler to go on a run here they looked super good defensively last night manny bates and eric hunter were all over the place um, love this butler team yeah love i wrote about them in the big east i told you guys i love this butler team so you got butler winning the tournament yep who do you got them beating kansas yeah, I mean Kansas, Kansas or Dayton, I think are are the two teams coming out of that top half of the bracket. Imagine that three day run. They beat Tennessee, maybe USC, and then Kansas to win the damn tournament. I mean, it would I be mean, a tough run. It would it would definitely be a tough run. But I think that I think we undersold a lot of the teams in the Big East. I think you've seen that a little bit with how well Xavier played against Indiana. Xavier is a you know a bottom half of the top twenty five team. I think Butler is potentially a middle half of the top 25 team. Um, and, and I think we're going to see that, you know, come to fruition these next few weeks. Um, I, I figured mine out. I got Tennessee over Kansas. I think um, Tennessee's toughness will out – because we always see some kind of surprises, especially in the battle for Atlantis. That's why I love that Butler pick. I just didn't have the balls to pick them. I'm going to go Tennessee beating Kansas in the final to win the battle for Atlantis. Peyton, Corey? Uh, I got Kansas beating Tennessee in the final. Corey? I think we lost our friend Corey again. Good. 
Josh, you're Josh, muted. Josh, you're muted. All right. Sorry, guys. Um, now, keep in mind, we move out to the PK-85. There's always two separate brackets, and I think that's in a way for, obviously, Duke, Carolina can't play each other. We'll start with the PK Invitational, where we have North Carolina, Portland, Iowa State, Villanova, Yukon, Oregon, and Alabama, Michigan State. Guys, there could be a surprise. Alabama could beat Michigan State. Um, UConn could obviously beat either one of those two. But I'm going to North Carolina, Michigan State final in the PKI. And I've got Michigan State beating North Carolina just because I've not been impressed with them. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned that Alabama could upset Michigan State. I'm not sure that that's an upset. And I think I might take Bama to win this whole thing. I think Brandon Miller has been, you know, one of the best players in the country so far. Definitely one of the best freshmen. Uh, I could see UNC honestly stumbling in that second round to Iowa State or Villanova. Um, I like Alabama over Iowa State in the championship of this one. Dude, you're firing with the the upsets today. I like it. I just think that we're starting we're seeing so far this, you know, this year that maybe the difference between the top teams in the country and the, you know, that next level isn't as big as we thought it was going to be. I like it. Um does anyone know I have an idea on when Cam Whitmore's coming back? Does anyone have I have no idea. I don't. I, they've been playing it pretty close to the vest as far as like what his status is, how serious the injury even was. I mean, I personally think that they're just biding time, but yeah. uh, I mean, if he's back and I think they beat Iowa state and I think they beat North Carolina uh, to go to the final. Uh, so I guess that's what I'm predicting. I think Villanova will make the top half of the bracket or win the top half of the bracket and the bottom half. I mean, I do like this UConn team, but I just don't think they have enough to beat uh, Michigan State in the second round. So Michigan, a rematch, Michigan State, Villanova. We just seen it not too long ago. Um, we just seen it actually last week. So uh, and Michigan State won by two. This time it will be a neutral site game. Um, I think Michigan State gets a job done again. This time they handle it. Uh, they don't allow Villanova to come back, even though if they do have Cam Whitmore, this will be a lot tougher. But I like this Michigan State team, and I think they're going to win it. Um, Corey, I don't know if you were able to hear real quick if you got a prediction on that tournament, the Phil Knight Invitational. I think uh, I think Villanova gets the rematch, and I think they take it this time. I think over, they figure some stuff out. I think they play. Yeah, over Michigan State. Okay. And then we have the other bracket. We have Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Again, this is to keep Duke and North Carolina away from each other since they can't play in a non-con game. This bracket, we see Duke, Oregon State, Florida Xavier, Purdue, West Virginia, Portland State, Gonzaga. Fellas, how about this for a run? We've seen them live and in person. I love the makeup of this Purdue team. I got them beating West Virginia. I got them beating Gonzaga in the semis. And I got them beating Duke in the finals. This Purdue team is for real. They defend their ass off. They got multiple guys who can shoot the three. And they've got a monster down low in Zach Eady. Sign me up for the Purdue hype right now because I've got Purdue winning the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Oh, man, it's tough. Um, I can see three teams, four teams winning this motherfucker. Uh, I think Xavier beats Duke in the second round. I think they match up size with them. Uh, I think Xavier's front court uh, is just better. I like Jack Nunge. I like Zach Freeman. And plus guys like uh, 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 Kunkel um, and the other guys they got at guards, I think they'll be able to hit some shots. So I think Xavier beats Duke in the second round to go to the final. And I think Gonzaga beats Xavier in the final. It's hard to go against Gonzaga. 
Well, I am, again, the resident Gonzaga defender and the resident Duke defender. Um, so I think it makes it pretty clear where I'm going. I think Florida actually beats Xavier, and I think that Duke-Florida game in the uh, semifinals is a pretty interesting matchup. Um, I like Purdue over West Virginia and Gonzaga in the, or Gonzaga-Portland. I think Purdue-Gonzaga game is a really interesting matchup in that semifinal, how Gonzaga is able to deal with the size of Edie. But I like the Zags, and then I think Duke takes down Gonzaga in the finals. Corey, you with us, or did you hit another free spot? There you are. Nope, I got you. Yeah. Uh, same way through. I think they uh, they take this one. I think it's gonna be a heck of a matchup. Um, I'm excited to watch it. I think Gonzaga gets there, but I think uh, I think Xavier comes out. Court. Corey's kind of breaking up. I think I heard him say Xavier over Gonzaga. I think it's what he said. I think so. I think it's what he said. Xavier over Gonzaga. But fellas, it's been, I mean, it's feast week. There's always a lot of great basketball while you're eating your holiday Thanksgiving dinners with family or by yourself or friends or whoever you're with. Hopefully you have people that you love around you. Let's start wrapping this show up. Let's go into the bank on it's of the week. Uh, oh, real quick. We're adding a new feature. We did it last year, Peyton. Uh, you can keep that graphic up. Um, Team of the week this week, I think we all decided it was Michigan State pretty clearly. And the mid-major of the week, Phil, who do we have as mid-major team of the week this last week? Uh, wasn't it UMass? Yeah, it was, sorry. Was... My, my thing wouldn't come off the uh, unmute. My bad. Um, yeah, it was UMass. Had a great showing this week at the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Um, Myrtle Beach Invitational is kind of crazy. We got a, a matchup between UMass and Charlotte in the finals. So I don't think that's what anybody was expecting with Texas A&M and Colorado and uh, a couple of other good teams there. So, yeah, UMass shows out in Frank Martin's first season. Yep. Uh, Mid-major team of the week. And obviously Michigan State, I mean, pretty handily wins team of the week. Um, but let's go into the bank on it. If you're watching live on the YouTube, you see the graphic. Peyton's the only one that's got a victory so far this week. I was close. Kentucky let me down. I had the trifecta of Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois all winning. Yeah. Of course, of course the two <laughs> Big Ten teams took care of business and mine dropped the yeah. ball. Um, so I'm losing money for the folks in ECB this week. Um, Phil's one and only did not come true this week. He had Duke plus 10 over Kansas. But it's a new week, new chance at victory here. Peyton, since you're the one that's got the win so far on the year, let's tell you, hear your bank on it. Can I go last? Like, can I, I guess. That? Can I offer to go last? I mean, since I'm one to one, can I offer to go last here? Yeah, no, go Phil, ahead. Phil, Phil, hasn't, Phil hasn't been on here. Let him go first. He has the honors to go first. Um, Bank on it. Illinois beats Virginia today. I mean, I know I, I made that in my pick, but I feel very confident in, in Illinois – beating Virginia, getting in the top 10. So maybe you can do a double bank on it there. Illinois beats Virginia and is ranked in the top 10 in the next upcoming AP poll. I like it. That's a nice safe bank on it. Got to get a victory somehow. Got to get a victory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take mine away then since I'm 0 for 2. Um, I've got Arizona winning. the. I'm going to double down. I got Arizona winning Maui. Pretty point blank period right there. Arizona wins Maui. Bank on it. Corey, you got a bank on it this week for us? Yep, my bank on it is Kentucky goes and beats Gonzaga. 
Oh! Don't put that curse on us. I did that last week. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, it's tough, tough to say, but, you know, I'm going to go big or go home, and, I'm, you know, that's my bank on it this week. I got to get a win, so. Peyton? But y'all a bunch of pussies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, y'all doubling down on these picks. Like, all right, come on, y'all. Y'all need to. Y'all need to get with the program here. I mean, I'm the only one who got a bank on it. Right? Well, let's hear case, Mr. Owens. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Shut the fuck up. No, that's what his bank on is going to be. Louisville gets a win finally. <laughs> <laughs> Just like normal Indiana fans, they ruin my momentum. And Louisville takes down Arkansas, the favorite to win oh whatever tournament, the Maui tournament, whatever it is. Yeah, it was Maui. We're 0 and 3. We beat Arkansas. I don't give a shit what happens to us. I don't care if we beat Creighton, Texas Tech in the second round. I don't care if we go on a win the motherfucker. Uh, I, I mean, I don't care. As long as we beat Arkansas, it's going to happen. Louisville gets the job done. We should be 3 and 0. It's not like we're getting blown out. We show we have heart. We First. show that we have toughness. So we're going to get it done. We're going to beat Arkansas. They got a lot of talent, but inexperienced talent. Louisville gets the job done. KP's first win, first top 10 win, and uh, we go on to beat Arkansas. Thanks for that. Faberge, Louisville team to start 0-3 since the 86-87 year, which, by the way, KP was a sophomore on that team, and yeah. the first team to lose three consecutive one-point games since, like, 1955. Yeah, and if, uh, that 86 year, we won the fucking title that year. No, 86-87. It was the year after. If well, Louisville beats 86. Arkansas, I will eat a copy of Louisville's roster. Oh. A paper copy, not covered enough. I'll eat it straight. I don't give a There is no chance that that happens. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see. We got uh, the Vince Man uh, theme song queued up here. Yeah, somebody give it to me. No chance. da 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 um, I mean that's a that's a bold bank on it, Peyton. It's a bold one. Um, so Peyton be- goes one and two. I'm just calling it now. <laughs> Y'all better not let it happen because if it happens, next week's show is going to be lit. Y'all better what? be fucking on there. It would be after hey, out the copy hey, of the Peyton, I'll make you a deal live on the podcast next week. Let's go it would play. be it would be apropos if Louisville won the game by one point, and but that requires LLs to actually. Go into a shot early and make sure it counts. Hey, Peyton, I'll make you a deal. Next weekend, I'll be in Indiana. I will show up and pick up a Louisville something off of you, and I'll wear it for the show. Hell yeah. You know what? 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 Do I, okay, you know what? Just keep it fair. What do I got to do if Louisville doesn't win? If. If. Uh, if. Well, I mean, you're going to be 0-4. I mean, that's for, Okay. I mean, true. I mean, you're going to be 0-4. I mean, that's kind of punishment enough. <laughs> He's got to wear one of my fan last twenty years. He's got to wear one of my Kentucky shirts on air. No, 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 no. Or he has to admit that the Duke UNC rivalry is better. Oh, Peyton, don't let me down. Don't let me down. No, fuck you. You're gonna put me in the spot to root for Louisville. Fuck you. Hold up. Hold up. I can say that, but I won't mean it. Just like you don't mean Gonzaga's gonna beat Kentucky, right? No, I mean I do 100% mean that Gonzaga is going to beat Kentucky. I may not no, have meant, may not have meant that Butler is going to win their tournament. That might have just been a little spicy Skip Bayless take, but oh, <laughs> but no, I, I do like the Zag. 
like I said, I have to I have to be the voice of reason when everybody sits here and just shits on Drew Timmy's chest every week. Well, we didn't shit on him. We just said we wanted to get beat. I mean, damn, I could get worse. Hey, I gave him credit. I think he's good, but I think there is something to it where he plays a bigger physical guy. It's been proven he struggles. That's true. I don't I don't I don't think there's anything I, I think I think that's inarguable. He's he's but it's what extent does he struggle? You know, a guy who averages twenty three and twelve 12 against everybody else who has 18 and 10 against physical players is still a plus player. No, you're absolutely right. And I don't mean it's like he's dog shit. I'm just saying he doesn't dominate. And I think there's something to it because he doesn't have a jump shot. If he had a jump shot or other moves, I think he would torch them bigger, stronger guys. But he's one, he's like Trace Jackson Davis. He's one dimensional. I was, I was just about to put those two. So yeah, real quick, Trace I know we're trying to get out of here, but who do you take? Drew Timmy or Trace Jackson Davis? I take Trace right now. But if you want the better like no way more athletic dude i take trace if you want talent i'll go with trace if you want to fucking win ball games give me two to me that's what i was about to say trace is probably the better davis all day trace is the better pro prospect of the two but he has never put a team on his back and taken them into the tournament and had success i just i have to listen to this back did i say trace i meant timmy i I take timmy but if you Uh, want like somebody who i meant timmy no, no, hold on. I meant Timmy. I think what Peyton said was right. If you want to win ball games, you have Drew Timmy. If you want somebody who's going to put up numbers and the better athlete, then you have TJD. But they're both they're both the same, very one-dimensional. They both got to play around the rim. Neither one has a jump shot. Um, let's start getting out of here. That was fun. Um, Shout-outs for the week. Um, I'll go ahead and rip mine off real quick since we're trying to get out of here. Braden Smith, seen him live, the freshman guard from Purdue. 20 points, three assists, goes three or four from the three-point line in the win over Marquette, dominated the second half, goes on like a 6-0 run himself to to really put pressure on Marquette. He was steady at the point guard spot, hitting shots. He was tremendous in this game. He was great to watch live. Um, Xavier Johnson from Indiana, 23 points, seven boards, two assists, goes two of two from the three-point line, unguardable at times against Xavier. And then how about our buddy? Davian Williamson drops 24 midweek against Georgia in a big win for Wake Forest, averaging 13-5 on the year. And then I'll throw a special shout-out to our guy, Onions, Phil Rafferty, for being such a sweetheart. The dude took time to come up and talk to me and Peyton, stayed to make sure we got a picture when I told him, like, no, you got other people waiting on you. Made sure to come back, talk to me and Peyton, discussed with Peyton about why his arm was in a sling, such a sweetheart, does not have to be. He wanted to learn about us. I'll forever be a Bill Rafferty fan, and I have nothing but great stuff to say about him. It was a highlight of the night, and uh, yeah, special onions shout-out to Bill Rafferty. Yep, I'll go next. I got three shout-outs. I'm shouting out an Illinois player, Terrence Shit. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Phil. Calm down, buddy. I know you got. I know you, you were talking about him in a minute, so I'll give him that. But I will shout-out to see Harris. Uh, Like I said earlier, this kid, uh, this kid played phenomenal defensively in the second half. I mean, Illinois doesn't win that game if it wasn't for the production defensively that Sincere Harris put on. Um, So shout out to him. He played well in the second half. Uh, Real quick, Josh, who did you shout out? Did you shout out Xavier Johnson? I did, but you can double up. I'm well, sure we'll gonna, triple up. Well, I was going to shout out him and TJD as a collective shout out because IU, just like I said with Illinois, IU doesn't win that game without the production of TJD and Xavier Johnson. I mean, those guys combined for like 53 points or something like that. Uh, did you mean that Jackson Davis put the team on his back and carried them to a win? <laughs> I mean, we did. Um, sure. Do it all the time. We'll see. But I'll still take Drew Timmy. But, um, 
Next shout out I'll go with uh, my last shout out, uh, one of my last shout outs. Uh, Tyrese Hunter from Texas, dude lit up. Gonzaga, speaking of that, 26 points, 5 of 8 from the three point line. Kid's phenomenal. He played well last year at Iowa State. Now he's playing on a better team in Texas. So shout out to him. And the last one, kind of Josh, uh, I already mentioned it, but shout out to the whole Purdue facility. Um, one of the greatest, or one of the craziest experiences I've ever had personally. Uh, that place was just fucking electric. It was loud. Um, and I cannot wait to watch them beat up Indiana February 25th at Mackey Arena because that game's going to be nuts as well. Yep. All right. I got Phil, a, a couple, couple of Illini shout outs here. So uh, I'm going to start out with Dane Danger. Um, had a good game against UCLA, 17 points, or uh, excuse me, 13 points. But uh, the huge game that he had was uh, against KC. Uh, he had 20 points, 15 boards, five blocks, just absolute monster. Guys averaging 16 points on 85% shooting right now. Um, and then obviously got a shout out, Terrence Shannon Jr. Just an absolutely phenomenal game. 39 minutes, 9 of 13 from the field, 8 and 9 from 3. 10 rebounds, 3 assists, just an absolute monster. We already talked about just hitting everything. Then my third one was Tyrese Proctor. Um, Friday night, he had uh, his first career double-double, went for 14 points, 10 boards, and 4 assists. Um, did most of that in the first half. Took on a huge ball handling role for Duke. Uh, you could just see the confidence growing. A um, couple of highlight reel crossovers. He broke a dude off on a crossover for a step back and then uh, had a beautiful play to get to the rim. So I think you're just going to see Proctor continue to grow throughout the season and be one of the best young players in the ACC. For mine, I got throwing it over to the women's side. Indiana beats Tennessee for the first time in school history. Yep. Um, you know, went into uh, Knoxville and came away with a win. So, you know, a tremendous win down there. Exciting game. Uh, that Indiana team, you know, has been improving every year, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be making a deep run when it comes to March. Exciting to watch on the women's side. Uh, you know, I know Josh kind of stole the thunder a little bit. Uh, Xavier Johnson coming in and just showing that, you know, he can be that guard. Uh, he can be the leader on the floor for Indiana, which is pretty exciting to watch. Uh, 23 points, shot lights out, um, you know, really controlled the ball, you know, made a lot of great plays. Um, and then my third one, you know, going away from the actual game a little bit, but, but you guys, um, you know, I, I haven't been on in a while, but the stuff that you guys have been putting together, putting out for the, uh, the Facebook group, the Twitter, Everything like that. You guys have actually been killing it. I know I've told you guys over text a little bit, but, uh, you know, just giving you guys a shout out. The stuff you guys do, the way you guys bust your ass is pretty awesome to see. Um, you know, it's amazing what you guys are growing to. So, huge shout out to you guys for my third and final one. Well, we appreciate that, my man. It takes a team effort and a collective. And um, on this week's or on this week of Thanksgiving, I'm very thankful for uh, our whole team here at ECB, Peyton, Phil, Corey, the people behind the scenes like Johnny who do tremendous PR for us, basically. You gotta, I'm, I'm very thankful for our partnership with House Enterprise and House College Hoops for Beauty to Beast Nutrition. Just a lot of people who stand behind us and you know, all, all of our families, significant others. It, it takes a group and uh, we're really making it happen. And um I'm just, I'm grateful and I'm thankful and I couldn't be more blessed right now. And we're killing it, man. And I appreciate that shout out. Phil, like I mentioned earlier, I know you're going to be on tap for the Duke Bellarmine game. That's a tricky one for Duke. I'm just saying, I think they win that game, but I think Bellarmine's going to give them a scare. 
and you'll be there loving the Duke Ohio State. Phil's pumping out some great content, being there live in Cameron Indoor on his articles. Peyton and I have got a couple more games coming up here in the near future we will be heading to as well. So we'll continue to follow ECB and House Enterprises for all the latest and greatest in college basketball coverage. But wrapping up episode 122, we hope you guys all have a great and blessed Thanksgiving. Make sure you're with people that you care about and you love, whoever that may be. I hope you're with them. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. And make sure you're checking out all the college basketball content. There's a lot of it tonight and a lot of it this week when the MTEs. But for episode 122, for Peyton, Corey, and Phil, I've been your host, Josh Burton. Enjoy the holidays, and we will catch you next Sunday right back here for episode 123. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all.